Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, David Filoni, and John Favreau, as well as the rest of the team at Lucasfilm, have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host Brian Gaughan and I are recording this week's show on Tuesday, January 10th, 2022. By the way, it's my brother Peter's 62nd birthday today. Yeah, happy birthday, Pete. Happy birthday, Peter. Yeah, a poor guy's at home recovering from a hernia operation. Um, oh, God. By the way, quick suggestion here in regard to choices coming to birthday cake, Pete. Don't go with a pound cake. Yeah, go with the angel <laughs> cake or angel food cake. You know, light, it's light. Lighter. There we go. <laughs> If all goes according to plan, folks, this episode will be posted online on Wednesday, January 11th, which is when episode eight of the Willow Limited series at Lucasfilm, uh, different Disney Plus will debut. Likewise, episode three of season two of Star Wars Bad Batch. Brian and I will be talking about both of those shows in the second half of today's show, but first, the news. And as always, the news portion of this episode of Looking at Lucasfilm is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, for a worry-free travel experience every time. Please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, Brian, I wanted to do a quick follow-up on a story we reported on our last Looking at Lucasfilm, uh, it involved legendary conductor and composer John Williams, who will be 91 next month wow. on February 8th. There was a video making the rounds uh, that was recently taken at a concert in Italy. Williams is at the podium and is about to treat that audience to some music that he had written for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. But before John begins conducting this piece of music, he says... So, we have just about completed the film. We may have maybe another ending to shoot and to record maybe in a couple of weeks. So, a couple of new sites on, on online, uh, this one here included, took that story and ran with it, uh, suggesting that maybe a new ending for Indiana Jones 5 might be in the works. Which I don't. Uh, did you see this, 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 Brian? Where James Mangold, the, the, the actual director of Dial of Destiny, took to social media on Sunday, December eighteenth, to dispute. Yeah, he he fell short of calling John Williams senile, saying he's an old man. He doesn't yeah. know what he's talking about. Yeah. There's not going to be any new ending. Well, I mean, to be specific. I'm paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing. There we go. All right. At that time, Mangold said, so I took a birthday break from Trolls, but it seems I got to once again say, we're not shooting and, and and never shot any new scenes or alternate endings. Our film is 99% finished, uh, getting rated by the MPAA and visual effects being completed. So it's sort of like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is still on track. To open in theaters June 30th of this year. That's a Friday, by the way. And since the 4th of July is on a Tuesday in 2023, well, that's going to translate into a super long opening weekend. Yeah, that's exactly what you want. But I'm surprised mm -hmm. they're going to do it on a Friday because movies of this caliber, they usually do on a Wednesday to get the run-up to... Um, or actually, you know, it says it's open on Friday, but it really is going to open on Thursday. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And sometimes those preview nights are, are insanely lucrative. 
But again, that's all part of Disney's playbook. You know, those those Thursday previews. Likewise, what they've been doing publicity-wise, because face it, nobody markets like the mouse. Right. So we had trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny was placed in front of most prints of Avatar The Way of Water. And I closed my eyes. Did you? Yeah, I, I'm realizing there's a there's an article um, that came out about how marketing ruined a movie, ruined movies. Hmm. And the, it's true. There's like, um, in it, with the first Indiana Jones, the first um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, they showed in the trailer the guy with the sword and mm-hmm. Indy shooting him. Well, yep. I was very fortunate to see it at a preview mm-hmm. the, the two weeks before it came out. So I was surprised. But nobody else was surprised. And they just give away the best jokes, the best gags. And it just it gives away to it. Sometimes they give away the whole plot. And they show the ending even. So I, I, I don't understand what... what I, I know the marketing has nothing to do with the people making the film. Mm-hmm. But still, they give away too much in previews sometimes. So I, I've closed my eyes. I know nothing about it. I've seen the pictures, mm-hmm. but I have not seen the preview. This brings to mind, Romancing the Stone had my absolute favorite trailer of all time. Have you do you, do you ever seen the teaser trailer for this thing? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And it did make me exactly it made me wanted to see the movie, but um yeah. Oh, well, well, but again, it just the mud what, thing was well, the main part of it, right? Well, uh, no, this slide. this version of it's a nasty little hotel room in in, in Central America and okay. phone, phones ringing in the room. And the door gets pushed open, and it's a little sweaty Danny DeVito in a, a white hat and a white suit. And he picks up the phone and, Ira, Ira, you know, shut yeah. up. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. trying. I'm trying to get the... It, and the thing he describes, you know, just this quick Reader's Digest version of the movie. I'm chasing the author, and he's, he's cooked up this guy, and, and there's crocodiles, and there's swinging, and there's mud. And it's like, it's like I, Ira, I'm done. I'm leaving. It's like, and Ira, that on the phone is like, no, you're, you got to go back. You got to go get him. And it's like, oh, and the thing is that the, the trailer actually ends with Danny DeVito. It's like saying, yeah. all right, Ira, I'll go back. I'll, I'll go get him. And again, and slams the phone down. And then he turns and looks straight into the camera. But this time you're going with me. And it was one of these things where it's like, I'm there. I mean, and it did exactly what you're talking about. It showed a, a number right. of, of fun clips from the film. But at the same time, it, it just gave you the style. It just gave you the tone. It just gave you the sense of... Well, it gave you a new story, too. It had a beginning, uh, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. Um, Hitchcock did that a lot with his uh, previews for his movies. Mm-hmm. And they were hilarious. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. So where was this article about marketing ruining movies? It was an Instagram thing. I'll find mm-hmm. it and I'll send it to you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. But it, it it talks a lot about um, there are some films I, I forget exactly, but they would just show the ending mm-hmm. um, in the 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 preview, and it was just like nah. Okay. Well, but I, I mean, I'll, I'll find it, and then and then we can maybe talk about it next time or or down the line because I love marketing. I mm-hmm. love marketing so much that I will buy mm-hmm. a toy and mm-hmm. I'll keep it in the um, just to to see. Mm-hmm. what's in the background and the way it is. I don't open my toys, not mm-hmm. because of a collection value, because I just love the whole marketing aspect of things. Mm-hmm. But but when it comes to films, mm-hmm. I think they give away too much. And when you think about today's 
media landscape and just trying to convince people People to to go go. well in fact i i was just hearing about uh there's the brand new some like it hot the musical that just opened on broadway really yeah and it's gotten killer reviews i mean mind you it's the second version of some like it hot there there was the, the the wonderful version that was done i want to say in 72 with Bobby Morse and Tony Roberts. And it's really struggling at the box office right now because a lot of people in the the three or so years that, you know, Broadway was shut down because of the pandemic have fallen out of the going to the theater habit. And we were just talking off air about how wonderful Puss in Boots, The Last Wish was. And a lot of folks were recently talking about, you know, it's kind of the same thing. So many people have now learn that, well, hey, if I wait a couple of weeks, this is going to show up on streaming. You know, so why do I why do I need to go out to the theater? And so conversely, though, if you look at what the job that Disney has done with Avatar The Way of Water, they pulled it off. They convinced folks that like, look, this is something you need to see in theaters. In fact, this is something you you maybe need to pony up to go see in IMAX 3D paying top dollar to go to see so it's been number one at the box office for four weekends in a row it's currently sits at 1.7 billion worldwide which makes it the seventh highest grossing film of all time indie was placed in front of it so same thing they're trying to hey you had a you know you came here to see an event film be aware that the fifth indie is coming in june 30th and, and right. maybe make plans to go see that but to pivot to star wars and lucasfilm do you remember when Disney announced their original plans for the holidays, film-wise, where the idea was that starting in 2022, every holiday season, they were going to toggle back and forth between, first there was going to be an Avatar sequel, and then there was going to be a Star, Star Wars, Wars film? movie. Yeah, and they were going to, and, and that was, and they would own mm-hmm. December. Yep. For the next, what, up to 2075 well, or something? Well, I, I, <laughs> well <laughs> I, I think, you know, as far as I could find when I was doing research for today's show, uh, December of 2028, that's when supposedly Avatar 5 would come Five, out. Five? There's not going to be an Avatar 17 or something? By the way, have you seen Avatar The Way of Water yet? Not yet. Have you? I have not. I Good. have not. You know. <laughs> so we can, I, I, you know what? I was first day mm-hmm. seeing the first one and yep. I was blown away, except mm-hmm. in our theater, the blue was either shut off or wasn't working. So mm-hmm. we had the, the film muted mm-hmm. when we were watching. Nobody noticed it. And I went outside afterwards mm-hmm. and I told the, I mm-hmm. go, you have to check your, your film caliber because the blue whatever shows right now in in mm-hmm. hd mm-hmm. um was missing mm-hmm. and that's the whole thing they're blue people so they were gray for the oh. most part and i enjoyed it i liked mm-hmm. it a lot mm-hmm. but when i saw it the second time i couldn't wait for it to end because mm-hmm. it was just once you with a camera with me with cameron films mm-hmm. once you've seen it mm-hmm. there's not a, many surprises afterwards to see it again. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll talk about Willow later on. Mm-hmm. And when I first saw Willow, Willow's not a great movie. It's a very good film. It's a good film. Mm-hmm. I saw it three times in the theater, 
because I enjoyed it that much. But mm-hmm. it, but but in Cameron films, I mean, Avatar is good, good on a second and a third screening. But mm-hmm. Titanic is just maybe because you know the end. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but um, I have not seen it yet. But I plan, of course, I plan on seeing it in a theater mm-hmm. with the three D goggles, mm-hmm. with the Dolby sound and the Dolby screen and the whole thing. I will pay. $25 to see it, because mm-hmm. I think that's the only way you can see a movie like Avatar. Well, I, I have to admit, I, I'm leaning that way as well. And it, But at the same time, I have to tell you, that three hour and 15 minute long screening time, it, it's, you know, one must take that into consideration. I always do. Some of our favorite times at the movies, uh, we're sitting in an audience full of people. There is nothing like being in uh, an auditorium surrounded by strangers and, and you having that communal reaction, whether it's Roy Scheider, you know, shoveling the chum over right. the side of the orca. Why don't you oh, come yeah. down here and rah, just to remember what it was like to be in the audience and have, the, you know, that jump scare. Or yes. for that matter, to be watching the original New Hope and it's just, I have you now. And cheering, yeah, exactly. Only a George Lucas who was such a fan of World War II films, you know, the whole notion of, well, you, of course you dive out of the sun. That's the blind spot. Well, it's so funny that you should say that because when I get into films, I really get into movies. Mm-hmm. And there, are, I know there are other people in the theater that would get like to get into two. So yeah. I'm thinking maybe Infinity Wars, there are a, a bunch of scenes where you just want to clap the first mm-hmm. one being iron man seeing mm-hmm. captain marvel yep. and when i first saw it i i, I can't help it and my mm-hmm. kids are grabbing me but i just started clapping and mm-hmm. as soon as i started clapping mm-hmm. other people started clapping to where you had the whole theater clapping mm-hmm. and you know most people go into a theater and they treat it like, you know, this is a sacred place. Mm-hmm. And yes, you don't talk, you don't use your phones, you don't, but you can react to the mm-hmm. movies. But a lot of people sit on their hands because they're afraid that somebody's going to do something. But as soon as one person does it, you know, we're all sheeple for the most part. But as soon as one person does it, mm-hmm. then everybody wants to get involved because scenes like that like you're right they just they make they just burst out of your chest you just you you sit there and you're just going this is why i go to movies nancy and i will sit at home in fact brian was actually our, our family consultant when we went to to upgrade <laughs> our, our flat screen to those and, and gave us a lot of good advice about what to get and how to set it up and so on and so forth. had to change your life Nancy's definitely enjoying it. I, I, you know. Oh, I, seeing those Hallmark films. They, we, oh my gosh. Okay, but we now, you know, when we watch basically all television, you know, we have closed captioning on. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of started doing it with some of the shows coming out of the UK, and then it just sort of stuck. Yeah. And I don't know. I, you know, that's the thing. I, you know, I like being able to sit in my own house and watch a film. And then when nature calls, I can literally pause the film with its closed captioning. And I, I can go off and take care of what I need to take care of and then come back or stop and get a snack. And I, I just worry that I have actually moved past the point in my life where going to the theater to see a movie 
is an enjoyable experience. Yes. I kind of have sort of now lean into, eh, I kind of like doing this at home. Do you find yourself when you're watching the movie in a theater and you don't hear something or they mumble or whatever, do you find your hand coming up and like getting ready to, to <laughs> pause the screen? Well, I, I, I did that during Puts in Boots. I'm sitting there going, what do you say? And I went like this. And my uh, wife's looking at me, what are you doing? Uh, I'm trying to pause it. <laughs> it's, it's interesting you say that because that's the, well, we just found out that Black Panther Wakanda Forever, I think it is available digitally on February 1st. And then the Blu-ray drops on February 8th. Not sure how long after that it shows up on Disney Plus, but I got to tell you, Actually, I blame the theater more than I blame the, the makers of the movie. But the sound mix was so muddy in much the same way as, you know, right. you were just telling your, your avatar story with the, you know, for whatever reason, the, the blue gun, so to speak. Oh, that's on, a, yeah, the blue gun, yeah. You know, on the projector wasn't working the way it was supposed to. Uh, and it just, it undercut the experience. And Brian and I both worked in theaters so uh, well, that makes you very likely at the end of the the show, like for example, Nancy and I went to go see Pirates of the Caribbean, A Dead Men Tell No Tales. And literally the film ended and I we saw an afternoon matinee and I said, hey, can I speak with the manager? And it's like, uh, manager came out and just pulled him aside and said, look, I think you need to check the bulb in auditorium number five, <laughs> get it to the effect, because that was a ridiculously dim version of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. And it's just sort of, look, I, I worked as a projectionist. I'm not going to be a jerk yep. about this, but that wasn't a very good movie-going experience. And maybe the bulb is dying today, but the guy like, oh, oh, thank you. You know, just sort of like, you know, just not, a, I mean, that's the thing. When you work as a projectionist, you, you just understand that, you know, when you're doing five and six shows a day at a theater and you're one of those giant multiplexes with, you know, multiple houses, you know, the projectionist literally walks up, hits the button, you know, looks in, okay, it's properly framed and moves on to the next set of projectors because they just have to, right? And a I lot mean, of times nowadays, it's not even a projectionist, it's the manager because yeah. something happened with theaters that they don't have to use. Uh, oh, that's true. That's that they true. They don't have to use the um, union anymore. Yeah. So all a guy does is pushes a button and, you know, for the most part, those things, because they're computers now. Mm -hmm. And they take care of themselves, but mm -hmm. but so but let's get back to um, Avatar, yeah. Star yep. Wars, Avatar, Star Wars, Avatar, Star Wars. But there's nothing about next year. There yeah. was supposed to be a Star Wars. There was. But are they going to sneak up on us? I do not know. I mean, what what Brian is alluding to is like seriously. If if you. I, I want to say as far back as 2019, the Walt Disney Company, uh, and again, you do this. You stick a flag in a right. date. So with the notion of you tell your other, you know, the other rival studios, stay away from that date. That's one word. And, and more to the point, you want to stay away from that date because we're going to do an Avatar movie. Then we're going to do a Star Wars movie. Then we're going to do an Avatar movie. So what Brian is referring to is that originally, December 22nd, 2023, was... Untitled Star Wars movie number one. And that's literally how it was put out there. But now, if you go to Disney's schedule for 2023, 
the last film officially that, that, that Disney is bringing into theaters for this calendar year, 2023, is Wish. It's a Walt Disney Animation Studios production. It's pretty significant. It's the, uh, of course, this is the centennial year for the Walt Disney Company. And the thing about Wish is that supposedly it's a film filled with Easter eggs for all of the Disney animated oh, that films. Oh, that cool. Yeah, it's a cool idea. But if you pivot to, okay, so what's the Disney got a company got coming out in December uh, 22nd, 2023, nothing. There's, you know, at this point, nothing mentioned for that date. And uh, now previously, though, we had the Taika Waititi Star Wars film that was talked about that kind of went into uh, development hell in August of, of last year. We had the Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron movie that was going to happen got pulled off of the schedule December 17th of last year. And and what's kind of interesting is Patty released this statement because James Gunn and folks had decided that uh, her treatment for Wonder Woman 3 needed to be reworked, right? The, the, the new heads of, of DC film. So Patty... As part of, you know, the, you know, just sort of people like, oh, no, you know, what Patty Jenkins going to do next? And, and Patty gets on social media to say, look, I originally left Rogue Squadron after a long and productive development process when it became clear that it wouldn't happen soon enough. And I didn't want to delay Wonder Woman 3 any further. When I did, Lucasfilm uh... asked me to consider coming back to Rogue Squadron after Wonder Woman 3, which was I was honored to do. So I agreed. They made a new deal with me. In fact, I am still on it. And that project has been in active development ever since. Just to be clear here, she says, I don't know if it will happen or not. We never do until the development process is complete. But I look forward to its potential ahead. Well, did she say this after Wonder Woman 3 was canceled? Or well, was this before? This was after, and in oh, fact, okay. and and the other thing, you know, that I want to stress here that James Gunn has been nothing but gracious, and to the effect of, look, we had meetings on this. You know, you were completely professional, loved working with you. It just it wasn't where they wanted to go with this character, right. and but they by but at the same time they they welcomed Patty to we'll make another run at it, make another try. Now we also had in the same window of time. Ryan Johnson, who was out doing publicity for A Glass Onion, which, of course, was the, uh, the sequel to Knives Out, of course, got asked about Star Wars. And, well, he starts off with said, I have talked with Kathy about doing a new Star Wars movie, and we're still talking about it. Mind you, I owe Netflix another Knives Out sequel, so I have to get that film done first. But, so it's, but it's entirely a matter of scheduling. And is it, but he then goes on to say, look, it wouldn't be the end of the world if I didn't get to make another Star Wars movie. But I would be sad. I, I love that world. I love the people. I love Star Wars fans. I love the passion of how they engage in it. That There's nothing like telling a story in this world and then experiencing people truly connecting to it and, and letting you know that. It's extraordinary. So what's interesting is you have these two people who we had initially counted out who, now, wait a minute, they're still interested in making Star Wars movies, or, or Lucasfilm is interested in, in them making Star Wars movies. But then there's this Damon Lindelof thing? Yeah. Now, uh, what do you know about this one? 
Well, the only thing I know is that Damon, what, about a month ago in November, mm-hmm. maybe it was October, that mm-hmm. he came up when 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 they were dropping all the other uh, Star Wars projects, and he came up and says, "Hey, I have one. I've been working on it with this with this brand new writer who's never done anything before. But I'm I'm already we got a we got a director and everything, so we're ready to go." And it was like people going. Oh, oh, really? Um, we haven't heard anything about it. There was nothing about it. There was yeah. no rumors or anything about it. I mean, now there's rumors that that Favreau and and um, Filoni yeah. have something cooking. So I don't know about that. The word is that the story for the the Damon Lindelof project is set after the event scene in Rise of Skywalker, and would supposedly be built around a person of color. Now. John Boyega, who, remember, played Finn in the most recent Star Wars trilogy, revealed on December 31st that he had shot a scene for Star Wars Episode IX, The Rise of Skywalker, where his character revealed to Rey that Finn felt the Force was Force-sensitive since he left the First Order back in Episode VII, The Force Awakens. So... And now you gotta wonder: Is this the idea that Lindelof? Lindel that would is- be that would be really cool. I mean, there's something they should have done a long time ago. As soon as he woke up from his little coma, he yep. should have had signs of being force sensitive, and that's where they dropped the ball. And this would be great because mm-hmm. he would just he would run with it. Okay, August of last year, Boyega is making an appearance on John. Fugelsang's uh, Tell Me Everything podcast. Uh, that's on Sirius XM, by the way. And to be honest, John really sounded at that point like he was ready to put Star Wars in, in the rearview mirror. But that, I mean, John is, is fine with seeing Finn live on as a character in Star Wars games and on TV shows. But as for playing the character again up on the big screen, Boyega went on to say, at this point, I'm cool off it. I mean, I'm, I'm good off it. I, I, I feel like appearing in episode seven through nine was, was enough for me. That's the beauty of doing a podcast with, with two old guys, folks, okay? <laughs> Brian and I have heard this before. Well, it was also him. He was very upset about what happened with the the scene that was not shown and stuff like that. So he was he had a little attitude what was going on. Oh sure, with, sure. yeah. And so it was like, um, it was like I'm going to take my ball and go home. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they say, well, we'll inflate it for you, it's like, <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> well, but but I'll be back. Okay. Now now, would you like to tell the Sean Connery story? Sean Connery, of course, he was his big role was uh, James Bond, right? And he made what four films? Five, actually. Five the, films. The, the Broccoli's hired him in the early sixties to play 007. and so he does five films in rapid succession. I mean, we get Doctor No in sixty-two, or To Russia with Love in sixty-three, Goldfinger sixty-four, Thunderball in sixty-five, and then finally You Only Live Twice right. in sixty-seven. And at this point, Sean. He's ready to be done. He, yeah, walks. he wants to do other things. I mean, he, he wants to do more films like um, Darby and the Little People. <laughs> well, no. Uh, okay. Get okay, I'm kidding. But no, he wants to do other things. And he, he um, so he, he leaves. Yeah, and right. they get, of course, the George Lazenby, who was, wasn't he a Australian swimmer or something? 
or a model, an underwear model. James Bond has to look good at a tux. All right, so yeah. so that's the thing. Oh, yeah. But he was good. It was a, he was. I just saw it recently, and mm-hmm. instead of being a, the saddest mm-hmm. James Bond film you've ever seen, he was mm-hmm. pretty good at it. And they would have gone on with him doing other things, but he was the one who didn't want to go on. You're right. He was under contract to do a bunch of of James Bonds after that. But the reviews were kind of withering. Uh, it was just to the effect of he's fine, but he's no Sean Connery. Right. And the, the box office kind of reflected that. And But also it had the worst ending that you could... Why would you see this great feel-good movie and then walk out not feeling good? I mean, I remember my brothers and I saw it and we all came out. I was like 10 maybe and my brothers yeah. were 8 and, fo- and 5 yeah. and we all came out crying. So Lazenby walks away... The Broccoli's start piling up money and they offered Sean Connery one and a quarter million dollars to come back and play James Bond. And and that was obscene that it was like, oh, oh my God, not just a million dollars, over a million dollars to come back and play Bond. But And he does. He he comes back and... Diamonds are forever? Diamonds that, are forever. And yes. it is a bizarre movie. Have you seen yeah, it? Yeah. Well, of course you've seen it. But it's really bizarre because it's like this John Hughes character who mm-hmm. is up in the um, the mm-hmm. Las Vegas tower yep. mm-hmm. and it was it was really it wasn't anything like any of the other ones mm-hmm. oh, oh oh by the way i do, just <laughs> to, <laughs> to clarify here howard hughes <laughs> no, no, oh, not, yeah. not john not hughes, john hughes. Yeah, yeah the hughes, guy who yeah. lived high up in a hotel who who made was young howard. teenager angsty teenager movies that were oddly funny yes you know <laughs> So and he uh, and he flew planes too. He did. But he did. So no, but it was really bizarre because yeah. it was more of a parody. It was yeah. more of what was the the president's analyst? Wasn't that um, uh, yeah, something that, like that? Where where like AT and T was? Yeah, yeah AT T was in charge of the world was ruling the world and stuff, yeah. and they had to stop it. That's what this one was about. So it it didn't really follow. The James Bond spy. And isn't there actually a scene in it where they, they show them faking the moon landing? I mean, yeah. get it. There we go. But on the other hand, it makes a lot of money. The Broccolis want Connery to return to do another uh, Bond film. Uh, that would be Live and Let Die. He declines. That's how Roger Moore gets the role and plays Bond. Yep, there we go. Okay. See, and, the, the, and that's why it works so well, because mm-hmm. he went from playing a James Bond type of character to, to playing be James playing Bond. James Bond. And he mm-hmm. played it like the saint. Mm-hmm. He brought the humor to it, and he, he just he changed the tone. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. It, it became the, lighter. It became yeah. funnier. And, and these movies made a lot of money. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, there were a lot of folks who were like, oh, you know, I, I miss the old James Bond, which, which brings us to 83, the year that we had two James Bond movies. We had, what, Octopussy in June of that year, and then uh, October. There we go. Again, which we I thought was brilliant. Wasn't there a part where his his wig was blown off or something? His toupee? Uh, I forget about that. I, I got to see it again. But it was okay. basically a remake of... Hmm. Thunderbolt. 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 Yeah. The way they were able to do that, I guess that was the the one film that the Broccoli's had not totally locked down all well, of the film rights. One of 
The, the, they didn't get Casino Royale either. There we go. There we go. Okay. By the way, there is a Star Wars tie to Never Say Never Again. It was directed by Irvin Kirshner, uh, who, of course, uh, right. did uh, Empire Strike Back, which many people would argue is the best Star Wars film. But on the other hand, have you ever heard about the Roger Moore cameo that was supposed to happen in this? Yes, I did. But okay. I think you can tell it better than I can. How did you hear about it? Octopussy first came out, and it, it, just a just a little side thing. I went to see it in Westwood at the mm -hmm. Avco, and okay. I, I went by myself. I'm coming out of the theater, yep. and it's the first time. And then there were a bunch of people carrying candles mm -hmm. on a protest march, and it was the first time I heard about AIDS. Oh. Was was this 1983, or yeah, 83, and and then I, I would read Variety. Mm -hmm. I would read. Uh, uh, Hollywood Reporter. I read all these magazines, yep. and in I think it was either it was in one of them mm -hmm. that they told about this scene yeah. that was supposed to be in it, and that the Broccoli's wouldn't let him do it. The original end of Never Say Never Again was uh, you had Sean Connery's version of James Bond along with the female lead. Uh, I want to say that was Kim Bassinger who played Domino. Yeah, they're in a, a crowded street in New York City, and they're, they're talking. And basically, Domino asks James Bond to repeat something in the film, but that, and he's like, "Oh, never again, never again, yeah, never again." But as he's saying this, he bumps into a guy on the sidewalk who turns, and the guy on the sidewalk is Roger Moore. And Roger Moore smiles and turns to Sean Connery and says, ah, never say never again. Never again. <laughs> and then, you know, just steps back into the crowd and disappears. And you, you have both Kim Bassinger and Sean Connery take big and freeze frame, movie over. And again, it, it would have been a big laugh. It would have been a fun moment. And as you mentioned, the Broccoli's who were so upset about the fact that, you know, Sean Connery was back in the Bond game and Thunderball and Casino Royale were the ones they, they couldn't, you know, completely lock down. And so they were like, there is no way we are allowing, uh, allowing Roger Moore to appear in, uh, you know, Never Say Never Again. And so that idea died on the table. But anyway, I, I, to, to bring this full circle here, we mentioned this because, again, Mr. Boyega, Sean Connery, once upon a time said, oh, no, 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 I, I've done five James Bond movies. I'm, I'm done. You know, and then came back and did two more. Did two more, yeah. Okay, so again, you've done just three Star Wars movies. And more to the point, if, if what we're hearing about what Damon Lindelof supposedly has in the works, like, you know, an entire new movie built around Finn, which, I, again, I, I hope this is legit. Well, I hope it is, too. I mean, you know what um, Lindelof did with uh, Watchmen? And um, yep. he showed us something that I never knew about. Yep. Mm -hmm. He showed us a piece of history that I never knew existed that was buried. Basically, Tulsa, right? It was the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tulsa, Oklahoma, the... Yeah. the oh, the riots there. Yeah, and what, what they did, they just basically destroyed a whole community of African Americans. Mm -hmm. And who knew about this? Mm -hmm. We didn't hear about it. And then mm -hmm. Lindelof gave it to him. So I think Lindelof will do an amazing job with Boyega. And I think Boyega will want to do this because, come on, where's, where's the rep representation? 
Okay, and just to be clear here, folks, uh, what uh, Brian and I are referring to is the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre right. and a chapter in American history that got a lot of people very uncomfortable talking about well worth digging into. And and seeing, and seeing Watchmen because mm-hmm. they did such an amazing job with showing us what happened from basically an unbiased mm-hmm. type of um, view. Again, we've shared a lot of information today. Here's the hard reality. We are not going to know what Lucasfilm is doing in regards to the next Star Wars movie uh, and staring with great interest at that at open slot in Disney's schedule, December 22nd, 2023. We are most likely not going to know anything until the Star Wars Celebration Europe, which is being held in oh, London really? this year at the Excel Center from April 7th through the 10th. So there's nothing before that? There's WonderCon. You don't think they're going to do anything in WonderCon? I think just because, I mean, face it, the look yeah, of some right. people. Yeah, you're right. They want to, they want to get, it's going to be in England. So they want to give those people the, the best they can. Conversely, though, I would bet you that given where WonderCon is being held, and I would honestly be surprised if it, as part of that event, they don't at least talk about season two of Bad Batch. In fact, they, they might at, at that point be coming up on either the mid-season. I know they're doing two episodes in the mid-season. Or they might even be coming up on season two's finale at that point and okay. you know, uh, uh, put together a panel or at least do a screening. And speaking of Bad Batch, when we get back from this break, Brian and I will talk about what's going on on the television side of Lucasfilm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, we were just talking about WonderCon, which is going to be held at the Orange County Convention Center in Anaheim, California. And what's across the street from there? Well, of course, that is Disney, the Disneyland Resort and the Disneyland Park. And they're refurbishing Indiana Jones. They and the are. Temple they, of. In, in fact, again, I want to remind folks the that eye, we. Eyes you know, of Mara? What, what is, what's the name of it? I think it's officially uh, the Indiana Jones Adventure. Oh, okay. I want to say the extendo name is Indiana Jones and, you know, the Eyes of Mara. But Brian and I are, are dating ourselves because we closely followed this project as it was coming up out of the ground in the, in the mid-90s, uh, or, or early 90s, o- opening March of 1995. In fact, Brian, you were there on opening day, right? I was there. I could Well, see, that was the 25th anniversary of Disney. And every day, if you and I had a pass, every day mm-hmm. if you'd go there, they'd give you a new playing card mm-hmm. of what opened mm-hmm. on that day. 
Okay. So if you went on August 9th, you mm-hmm. got the Haunted Mansion. If you went on, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. on this day, they yep. gave us, of course, the Indiana Jones mm-hmm. um, Temple of Dune. And it was raining. It was pouring. Mm-hmm. It was like the one day it rains in California and it rains mm-hmm. in this day. Okay. And of course, I bought my $5 Mickey mm-hmm. Mouse um, poncho. Everybody, <laughs> yellow. Three hours I was in line for the okay. first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. And then I also got the card, you know, the um, the card where you decipher all oh, the... Oh, that's right, because it was yeah. sponsored by AT&T. AT&T. That's Choose right. wisely. There we go. There we go. And all of it the... was the best, and it still is the best ride you will ever be on, because there nothing had been like this ever. First of all, I want to, want to clarify here, not the 25th anniversary, 40th anniversary. But, 40th but, anniversary, okay. But again, he, you are right about the collector cards, you know, very highly sought. And I have to grill Brian here because, because again, <laughs> he got to write it on opening day when all of the effects work. And yep. they had, in the, the early, early, earliest iteration of this attraction, they had effects that, some of them only ran for weeks, right? Yeah, and then sometimes it would fix it. The The main thing and the mm-hmm. best thing, oh, man, I scared so many freaking people. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I discovered it, but I saw this pole, and yep. it was a bamboo pole, and mm-hmm. I saw that somebody bumped into it, and it moved. I'm going, yep. oh, that's got to be something. So I hit it, yep. and the roof goes, oh, that's and people right. in front of me, Yep. ran forward people in back of me ran back it was a riot it was it was hilarious so mm-hmm. i had to go back and do it again and i would like look around and see the best people to do it to and i did it too and you know i'm a i'm a dick when it comes to things like well, that. well isn't wasn't it that the spikes literally came out of the yeah. ceiling the, yeah and, and it just came down but the, yeah. the ceiling actually moved yeah and yeah, then you no. saw the spikes and then the the guy in the well Mm-hmm. And you'd pull the rope, and he, and then you'd break something, and then you, you know he would be upset, and and everything worked. Um, you know now, in it they they use projection to to show what door you go through, but before they had a false front that would move. Yes, yes. Each time. In fact, what, what what Brian's alluding to in 2013, they did put projection mapping into the attraction, which, by the way, very effective, great new effect to add. But what I'm kind of referring to is when this thing first opened, there was one point in the ride where your your troop carrier is going by, and supposedly you literally see the ceiling cave in in front of you. You see a chunk of the ceiling fall out and crash to yeah, the ground. Yeah, you're next on the to, bridge. Yep. And um, you hear this, and you see this white sheet just come down and burst into um, pieces and then smoke coming from that. But again, here's what's ingenious about this effect. What you saw, which I told you, oh my God, the temple is falling apart. Look, the ceiling fell out. No, it's a flash frozen piece of ice. And again, it was a piece of equipment the Imagineers put into this building. that An ice machine. Yeah, but but what was killer about it is it would fall, and again, not everybody got to see this. You know that that I, I want to say it was you know one out of every five troop carriers, maybe one oh. out of every ten troop carriers. But there's that big open room where you right. know, make, maybe you're seeing it from right next to you, or maybe you're seeing it across the way as you're going in and out of the, you know, uh, the various tunnels or that sort of thing. Right. 
But here's the thing. The, the ice lands on a heated grate. So the very thing that Brian was just alluded to, you saw smoke come up. It's like, no, it's the ice melting because now the water, it, it melts, it's fed back up into the ice machine there and become, it's a sort of endless cycle for this wonderful physical effect. Now, I heard that it stopped working because the machine that they use was not stainless steel. Uh. And it got rusted after about five years or so. I did not know that. Well, the other effect that I always enjoyed was just before the dart room. The rat room. Well, yes. No, that's it exactly. The, the, <laughs> you passed this mist curtain that they had projected this image of rats out on like a branch that then seemed to be jumping off just as your troop carrier was coming through. And, and the way it was described to me is there was the effect from Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. When they turned on the cloning machine and the theater was flooded with little baby white mice. And then, you know, there was a, a piece of, of wire that it was quickly uh, put out uh, from inside the seat that the audience member was on and flicked back and forth yeah, between like your legs. Yeah. You no, know, no, that's exactly that. Supposedly they had the same effect. In the troop carrier that, you know, that we, first you saw the image of the rats coming out of the branch and it seemingly jumping into your troop carrier. And then suddenly you felt the rat tail. Now, you, you didn't get to write it right away? By the time I made it back to Anaheim, this would have been July of, of 95. I was there for the actual 40th anniversary where they did the whole, do you remember the castle time capsule? And yep. I was there for that. And already by that point, people were talking about, oh, you know, well, Indy's having some issues because it's, it's so complicated. It, there's so much state-of-the-art technology in this thing. And then, of course, the big snake. Yes. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? There we go. I only heard that line once. Mm -hmm. Usually it's something else. <laughs> but and the, but only once, and I was always waiting to hear that snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? And I didn't hear it. I, I only heard it once or twice. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it was just it was one of the most remarkable. And and you felt that boulder was coming at you. Mm -hmm. You did not. I did not know you were actually standing still, and everything else was moving, and you just went down. It, I mean, the technology was just in, incredible. When I first saw it. Look, anybody who, who's been on the attraction knows that Indy doesn't quite sound like himself. And that was because Disney bobbled getting Harrison Ford to, to actually voice the character for the attraction. The story, as it was always explained to me, was that they were after Harrison Ford. He, he was originally supposed to be the voice of uh, Kershak the silverback in the Disney animated version of Tarzan, which, which came out, what, 99? Yeah. Harrison Ford had agreed to do the role. They had brought him into the studio and he was starting to record the very first tracks for this character in Tarzan. And they figured, well, we got him here. Let's get him to record the voice for, you know, for the, the attraction, uh, you know, the, the, the Indiana Jones adventure. And, Evidently, he was initially amenable to the idea, but but Ford made it clear to his representatives, like, look, I will voice the character for the attraction, but I don't want to take part in the the advertising. I don't, you know, I don't want to be associated 
with you know i don't want to be now at disneyland you know you know and and evidently there was a miscommunication and basically what happened is harrison ford came into the studio for his second or third session on kershack and they had sent the material you know the, the, and remember indy doesn't say a whole lot in the attraction that there's only like as you mentioned this three or four different lines that he rotates through in each of the scenes his character's in and he's only in like two and three moments in this ride right why did you have to look in the eyes why did you have to look in the eyes there we go okay but what happened was look that in the eyes didn't you yeah you know, he opens the middle folder and on top of everything he's going to be recording for the day is the commercial for Indiana Jones Adventure. And he evidently he loses it in the booth. You know, just to the effect of I told you guys I wouldn't do this. And you know, literally it's sitting here on the top of the pile and that's it, I'm leaving. And he walked out and he not only, of course, didn't do the voice for the Indiana Jones attraction, but he didn't he he left Tarzan, which is why Kershak eventually wound up being voiced by Lance Hendrickson. Now, the little twist that I heard yep. for this story, exactly mm -hmm. the same, mm -hmm. except that yep. what was the script was, mm -hmm. remember the Super Bowl that year? Oh, okay. they did. They right. did for the the halftime. They did this whole Indiana Jones thing. Mm -hmm. And he said he didn't want to be a part of that. There, oh, and God, that was, you're right. And That's, that was the, there we the go. on top was his um, dialogue from that the thing. Super, and, oh my yeah. God, you're right, you're right. Uh, the, no, Brian has the real version of the story, folks. Oh my God, you're right. But again, to circle back to, you were just saying about snakes, why did it have to be snakes? Yeah. <laughs> uh, according to some photos that have been taken backstage at Disneyland, which bad thing to do, folks, don't do that, but thanks for sharing them on social media. Evidently, out on the, at the back door, of Indiana Jones, folks just cited the new snake going into the Indiana Jones adventure, which is to replace the the large animatronic snake that has not worked there for years. So at, at least that much we know that that wasn't one, that this, picture though taken from the monorail. So it's not really somebody sneaking back there taking pictures. This is true, but you know, again, you know, it's kind of a gray area. Okay, so. Uh, we don't have a date yet for the return of Indiana Jones at, at Disneyland Park. All that Disney is saying is that it will return for spring of 2023, which, again, if you know Disney folks, spring of 2023 could be June 20th. So we will let you know more when we hear more. Now to pivot. Did you see the story about Mutt, Mutt Williams? I have not heard about this. I no. knew that um, mm. uh, somebody said, did Mangold, was Mangold the one who said something? I He supposedly alluded to this, that okay. as part of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, we will find, we won't see Shia LaBeouf, but we will find out the fate of that character, uh, who obviously was introduced in, 2008's Indiana Jones yeah. and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. What about so, Marion? Is Marion involved in this? Or I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, they, don't tell me anything. What am I crazy? I won't even watch the. I won't even watch the 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 trailer. And I'm asking you to give things away. No, no, not okay. gonna happen. 
so now all right to pivot what's to what's going on with uh on the television side of, of lucasfilm and we are seven episodes into willow you know which by the way you were mentioning you saw willow three times in theaters i want to yeah, say it wasn't it wasn't when i saw willow it wasn't a great movie it was a good movie and it was a fun movie and it was enjoyable. And when it first was in the theater, I, I, I went to see it three times. I went one with my brother, one with my, my um, parents, and one with a, a girl I knew. And it was it was very enjoyable. But it didn't do all that well. It did what? Well, I read two things. On Box Office Mojo, it said it only did $58 million. But on um, Wikipedia... It says it made a hundred and like forty-eight million dollars on a thirty-five million dollar budget, so it basically broke even. But there was never a sequel. Well, there were the books, right? The books were the sequel. You're right. But but at the same time, what's kind of interesting is that, of course, when they decided to do the limited series, when Jonathan Kasdan took on this project. They immediately sort of turned their backs on the books and, and tried to do something different. I will say this much. I, just this past weekend in preparation for the looking at Lucasfilm that, that Brian and I are doing today, I watched Willow, the film, for the first time in years. And I also made a point of there's a wonderful 10-minute long featurette that was created in 2013 for the Blu-ray release of Willow, where Ron Howard talks about the deleted scenes from uh, from Willow. And what was fascinating is clearly Jonathan Kasdan is familiar with what fell off the table for Willow, the film, because these elements got reimagined, revisited with Willow, the limited series. Like, for example... The most recent episode, the uh, episode seven, The Shattered Sea, we have the Mudmander, that wonderful sort of practical animatronic that is pulling the silt sleigh. And I'm, I'm blanking the name of the character who is bonding with this, this the creature. The prince. The prince. There we go. Yeah. But what's kind of interesting is if you look at these deleted scenes for the Willow the movie, there's the scenes where Willow has to go out to the island where Finn Rizel has been banished. She's, she's been le left there in the form of the bushy-tailed you know, muskrat or whatever it is. Possum. Uh, bush, bushy-tailed possum. And he's in the rowboat. And he's you in the know rowboat. That, you know he's not doing well. <laughs> well, but, but, but the, that's what's interesting, that initially... You know, you come to this, you, you know, Willow comes to this seemingly abandoned village. But as he goes to take the rowboat to go out to the island, you see this one boy wade out into the water and, and sort of warns Willow, you know, you don't want to do this. You, you, you step away. And that he the boy dives into the water and Willow takes the rowboat, continues out into the water and then. At one point, the water starts to get rough. A storm rises up. And then the boy from the village pops up next to the boat, only now he's got a mouthful of, like, monster's teeth. And he's got sort of gill slits. And, and uh, well, not to give it away, but the character is known as Fish Boy. And then he goes down again. And then they spent weeks 
shooting the scene where suddenly, and, and Ron Howard alludes to it, you know, suddenly I'm, I, I have great sympathy for Steven Spielberg and, and Jaws because I'm trying to make an animatronic <laughs> killer fish attack Willow in his rowboat. And it's 1988 film animatronics. If you watch Willow today, the Willow the movie, what's fascinating is it, it was like the cusp of what they could do with morphing at that time, right? Right. Isn't this the first in film that mm-hmm. the the morphing was when that's exactly um, yeah. the, the witch turns yeah. into these all different yeah. characters? No, that, that that's it exactly. So animals, you can see what they were, and, and remember, we are years out from the sort of work that ILM could do with, say, Jurassic Park or or that sort of thing. But the Fish Boy monster version of Fish Boy is done as an animatronic, and it is just not very convincing. And and in the end, they cut the scene. And in fact, and it's kind of a bone of contention with Willow fans, because remember when Willow is being sent off on his journey, we see the High Old One hand him three acorns, uh, right. the one that turn everything to stone. And, and, and in the movie, we only see him see use... Two. Yeah, and it's like, well, what happened there? So you see Fish Boy becomes mutated and winds up back in Willow. The limited series is, is the Mudmander, only a, a really great animatronic, a really, you know, I mean, great, you know, shows what we can do today. Likewise, if we look at how Kit, Princess Kit, is looking for her dad, is out looking for Mad Mardigan, there's, there's actually a storyline in the original Willow, the movie, where Queen Sorsha ends up, you know, yes, her mother is, is Queen Bavmorda, but we also find out that she had a dad, you know, a, a, the very kind-hearted king of Tirislene. Right. And do you remember when they actually get to Tirislene and Willow the movie and there were all these people inside the castle who seemed to be in, embedded in, in monoliths, sort of crystalline monoliths? Yeah, wasn't there an old man in there? There was an old man. That is Sorsha's dad, who, by the way, in the very, 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 very end of the film, is there in the scene where we see Willow climb on the tiny right. Shetland pony and ride off. We see Sorsha, Mad Mardigan, and then there's a, a, a man with a long white beard and a crown standing right next yeah. to them. <laughs> That's her dad, uh, who got pulled out of the stove. But but again, it's it's Jonathan knew the film and knew that these elements had fallen off the table and you know, just sort of revisited the ideas and, and wrote them into the, the limited series. But but at the same time, that there's wonderful little departures, wonderful little bends on... I mean, for example, the trolls in the original <laughs> movie are just fierce, horrible creatures that don't speak well at all, whereas... They're just monsters, they, but yeah. in this, yeah. they're basically Monty Python. Well, uh, no, very much so. I mean, you're members of middle management, what, what Lord Saris and his yeah. his brother Falcon, <laughs> but evidently because of the whatever the, the, the liquid that is being mined and refined there, the, the crone has, has revealed to the trolls that if they drink it, they become enlightened, they become intelligent, and that's why they're as well-spoken as they are. So I, I have to ask, you've seen now these, these most recent three. We are coming up 
on our season one finale, and hopefully right. there will be a, a season two. I'm digging it. I'm digging it so much. It's family friendly. It's um, very organic. I, it's funny. What what I mean by organic is it mm. it works from the movie mm-hmm. because you had a Laura Dannon and she, you know she's supposed to take care of the queen or destroy the queen, mm-hmm. but she doesn't. Who does is Willow by mistake. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a mistake. So there's somebody else. There's another person that was guiding mm-hmm. the queen, and that was who they're now calling the crone. Okay. And they put that element in there to give us the quest. So we've, mm-hmm. we've got a fellowship. We've mm-hmm. got a quest. And we've got, you know, Easter eggs in there. And mm-hmm. um, we have cameos by uh, Kevin Pollack. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's rule. doing the brownie yep. rule. Yep. Yeah. And his daughter. And it was hilarious. But it's, it's so funny. In the movie, they, they basically were doing the Frenchman from mm-hmm. um, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, weren't they? We already have one. Yes, you know that. Like, well, and it's it's kind of interesting you bring that up because again, you mentioned Kevin Pollock as as rule, and of course, you know we should mention that Rick Overton played Frangine. Yeah, and he wasn't in it. Well, now what's kind of interesting, and I'm I'm not at liberty to share everything I know in regard okay. to. Okay. I, I, you know, again, what I I got some of this info from our good friend Drew Taylor. Who actually got to sit down with with Jonathan Kazan and talk about? Oh wow! What the plans were, what they were going to do, and and so on and so forth. And because of the COVID protocols, uh, okay. there were a number of folks who just did not make the trip over to New Zealand where this was thought uh, shot. No, and Wales. So it was Wales. Wales. Oh, yeah. my mistake. My mistake. I, I, I didn't make the trip over to Wales. But it, what ended up happening was, and face it, in the case of uh, evidently Rick Overton, who is still with us, by the way, I, I want to say he's 64, 68. Yeah. But some folks just did not make the journey because of health issues or, or uh, the COVID protocol. So that's why I kind of hope that we do get a season two because. Oh, yeah, we'll see more of these people. There we go. There we go. Well, so. there's also some cute, um, neat things like. The prince, mm-hmm. Kit's brother, his name yep. is Eric. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who was named after Mad Mardigan's warrior friend, you know, the guy with the beard? Oh, his name was Eric. That's right. Yes. 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 And, yes. And then also, they threw you off at the beginning mm-hmm. because remember they're saying, you know, she's being well hidden, and they cut to Jade and. And um, Kit fighting, mm-hmm. and they take off the helmet, and there's Jade with mm-hmm. his bright red hair. Mm-hmm. So you're going, oh, that's got to be Alora. Mm-hmm. That's got to be her, right? Mm-hmm. And then you don't find out later that she's Dove. Mm-hmm. The Well, I'm not going to give anything away right now. Mm-hmm. But um, you find out later she's somebody else. And it, just to throw us off. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they put little things in there to as red herrings, mm-hmm. even though it's not a mystery so much, but just as, as like... This is who you think it is, but mm-hmm. it's not. You know, look over here, sleight of hand. And also, w- when um, Kit hears the voice of her father, mm-hmm. did you know who was did the voice? Because Val can't talk anymore. So um, it's actually Joanne Whaley's son with Val Kilmer, Jack Kilmer. Oh, 
Yeah, I so he does. So he does the voice because mm-hmm. I I thought they were doing um, some like recording mm-hmm. um, kind of tricks and stuff, but it's him, you know. And and Jack is is a, a big actor in his own part. He's been in a lot of things. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, that's cool. That's cool. And then of course they even put Jean Marsh in there. I mean, I, I don't know if we're going to see her. Mm-hmm. Um, is she? But they 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 showed um, like. Uh, flashbacks mm-hmm. of her mm-hmm. but let's talk about possibly the greatest character <laughs> in the f- in the show so far mm-hmm. that just blows you away and gives you humor mm-hmm. dr- drama just everything you want is christian slater i think he steals basically the whole even though he's in one episode mm-hmm. he steals the whole series if you look at the fact that when we meet, you know, Val Kilmer's Mad Mardigan character, we meet him at the crossroads and he's a crow's cage. He's in a crow's cage. And so how do we meet Allagash, who is, of course, pretending to be Mad Mardigan to throw off the trolls, but he's in a crow's, in a crow's cage. cage. So given the way they take him out of, of the story where he's battling a slew of trolls and you see him disappear into that heap of bodies and it's just sort of like, oh, I enjoyed that guy. I enjoyed that performance. I want to see him again. I hope this happens. When they're fighting, when he and Borman are fighting over the mm-hmm. the um, the chain mail or whatever they're fighting over mm-hmm. and and what I loved about it, and what I think this was a good choice, mm-hmm. is it was in the background. Mm-hmm. You didn't focus on their fight. Mm-hmm. You just showed them fighting, which was like, you know, two kids, you know, fighting over Lego or something. Mm-hmm. And then everybody got back, you know, everybody is um, getting back together. Mm-hmm. So you're hearing their stories, and it, they're, they're ignoring the two of them, these two grown men mm-hmm. who are older than everybody else, they're ignoring them as they're acting like children and they're just waiting for you know the fight to be over so they can go on and do what they need to do. I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was a great choice. Mm-hmm. My only problem mm-hmm. I have with this, as I had with Kenobi and mm-hmm. Andor, is episodical. I don't I, I think there are some things that you could sh- that are made to be binged, mm-hmm. and I know they want you know the water cooler thing. This isn't a water water cooler show, mm-hmm. but look what happened to Wednesday when Wednesday was shown on Netflix, mm-hmm. and so many people watched it. That's what they use as marketing to get more people to watch it, like. Look at this. All these 400 million people watch it. Now you have to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they should have done with Willow because you have to gear up again. And adventure is not an easy thing to get into. You can't just turn it on and then, you know, be geared up and just accept everything that's going on. You you have to gradually get into it. So if I'm going to see that I'm going to watch this again mm-hmm. and I will watch, I will binge it. I'll do, you know, maybe two days. And I think it will it will play better that way. I'm an old terrestrial television guy, so I can tune in again next week. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I would argue on the heels of the success of The Mandalorian or The Book of Boba Fett. Or, but those uh, are all espis- episodical right. shows. Mm-hmm. They are not continuing stories 
or like one movie like this is. And most TV had, you know, that maybe they had a, a background story that was, but each episode had a beginning, a middle, and end. You know, like especially like Hill Street Blues, and okay. I mean the and even even the Fugitive, mm-hmm. it was every episode he met more uh, different people, mm-hmm. and then the next episode he met another people and helped them out and etc. But there was always the storyline of the man without an arm, mm-hmm. you know, coming after him. So and that's what I'm saying. I mean, these are movies. These are eight-hour movies, mm-hmm. and I think in a way they should be shown that way speaking of movies i i'm dearly hoping that with willow the limited series that we are not in a star wars solo situation where we have a story that ends that seems to set up sequels and then we we don't get the sequels i realized that supposedly there is a lando calrissian limited series supposedly in the works for Disney Plus, uh, which maybe will pick up where uh, Solo left off, but we haven't heard anything about Willow Two. No, not yet. But of course, a Wednesday was out for um, what a month, two months before mm-hmm. they announced a couple days ago that it's going to be a season two. Okay, that's an excellent point. That's same thing point. with Sandman. Remember Sandman? I mean, everybody's going. It does so well. Why aren't you saying? And, and I read an article of um, a reporter who was like, Netflix, you can't do this to people mm-hmm. because because now why mm-hmm. should I waste my time watching something if there's not going to be another season? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting you bring that up because, of course, what we've begun to see, in fact, that the trades are all over this this past week. For example, Inside Job, uh, the animated series at Netflix that Alex Hirsch of Gravity Falls helped create, got renewed for a second season. They were working on it and they just pulled the plug in mid-production on the second season. I mean, mind you, that is not the case with with Bad Batch. They seem to be committed to carrying this show forward. Speaking of which though, what did you think of the first two episodes of this one, uh, season two? To me, they were just a continuation of what's been going on, which means they're excellent. Mm-hmm. Because I think Omega mm-hmm. is one of the greatest characters ever portrayed mm-hmm. in the fact that she's, well, yes, she's a, a teenage girl, mm-hmm. but she's also, you know, however old, you know, clones are at this time. And she's very smart. She's very wise. She she doesn't have the attitude a teenager has. Mm-hmm. And, she, I mean, the Bad Batch are more kids than she is. She's a lot of time the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm really digging that part of it. I, I'm not too crazy that they're, they're working for um, Rhea Perlman, but, um, but I know there's got to be something like that. I am so embarrassed. How long have I been watching this show and only just figured out that Sid, the, the Trandoshian that the, the clones are working for, is being voiced by Rio Perlman. And because I, I, you don't watch credits. I, I do, I do. But the, <laughs> the problem is I watch, you know, I watch the show on my laptop. And, oh, okay. And you know what they do. You know how yeah. they, you know, it's, you get to the credits and they suddenly, because you watch this, why don't you, and the credits suddenly become the size of a postage stamp. You also pointed out that who else is doing voice work on the show that I didn't Wanda know about? Wanda Sykes. There is, we go. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the, the other... Um, 
the pirate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that should be interesting. You know, you're going to see more of her. But yeah, I I just think it's it's a Valentine mm-hmm. to Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. It's everything the Star Wars fans really dig about Star Wars, mm-hmm. and it really it took characters that didn't even exist until the end of Clone Wars and turned them into a, a whole different... Well, it was a continuation of Clone Wars, but now it's its whole different animal. But see, I don't know. Maybe I'm the kind of person that I just love everything. I'm still... The animation still bugs me a little bit, yeah, especially... I like this style. Yeah, yeah but especially mm-hmm. when you see something like Visions and mm-hmm. then also even, even um, Tales of the Jedi where they smooth it out a little bit. I mean, you don't go, you can't go wrong with anything. But we we've got to get back to, you know, the other characters. Where is um, the sniper guy and mm-hmm. and and all, all that? I mean, there's how many going to be sixteen for this season? Or I want to say yes. Okay. Um, but I'm I actually, to be honest, you know, you you were mentioning, you know, how much you enjoyed the uh, the young clone Nova. Nova. Think about. When Bad Batch first started out in May of 2021, sort of a prequel to Star Wars Rebels, uh, starts off with the Battle of Kalar, just as Order 66 goes down, and we see a 14-year-old Caleb Dune, uh, a Force-sensitive human, uh, who's the Padawan to Jedi Master Depa Bilababa, just manages to escape as the clones turn on the uh, his master. Uh, and Bella Baba buys her Padawan time with her life. And, but it's just, what intrigues me is that Caleb Dune goes into hiding, changes his name to Kanan Jarrus, and exchanges his blue lightsaber for a blaster and stays in hiding till Hera Sadana recruits him to come join her proto-rebel cell, which then brings us to Star Wars Rebels. So we now have Star Wars Ahsoka, going into production. We've got Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tana. Uh, we now have Natasha Lee Borduzzo, uh, who's uh, now playing Sabine Wren. Uh, we have Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's been hired to play Hera Saldana. And then, of course, we have Iman Esafandi, uh, who's playing Ezra Berger. But, uh, and don't we have Thrall? Isn't um, he played by The Voice? They have not confirmed that yet. They haven't confirmed it. It okay. makes me crazy. But, what if Nova, you know, we're seeing all of these, you know, for example, in season one, we got to see Ren, you know, well, again, we, we saw Kanan Jarrus or, or Caleb right. Dune. Uh, we got to see, got to meet, was it Harris Athana we got to meet? Yes, it's, yeah. uh, it's a 14-year-old girl. And so it's like, what's to stop them with Ahsoka Tana? Uh, wouldn't it be interesting to see... Nova? Well, more than that, because you know Filoni and, and Favreau love putting... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we have an Ahsoka um, series, mm-hmm. is because they put um, her in Mandalorian. And people were just so excited to see her live action. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, and and then Morrison... Ta- what was his name? Tamaru? Mm-hmm. Uh, Morrison. I mean, he could play one of the clones. He can play mm-hmm. one of the bad backs, or he can play them all. Um, well, but could he? Because do they look like the clones? I mean, they're they're a little bit. That's the whole point of the Bad Batch. So the notion that you know, okay, these, so they could these... use other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I I would definitely love to see her um, 
And how old would she be now in um, Ahsoka? It takes place 10 years before mm -hmm. um, New Hope. And then, and then well, that took place. Well, look, wouldn't Ahsoka survived Order 66? Uh, and how old was she? Well, yeah, but she's not force sensitive, is she? They would go after her, and for and six six well, no, no, wasn't just, I, to take I'm out the bad to, batch. To to, uh, I, I'm just trying to. Oh, oh, when it happened. Oh, yeah, age but equivalent. It, you know, right, right, right. But wasn't wasn't six order six six thirty years? No, no. Well, remember the bad batch is set in between tail end of Revenge of the Sith. Right. And the beginning of a new hope, which is supposedly so. 18 Luke years. was born. Yep. When the Order Six Six came out, mm -hmm. and how old is Luke in New Hope? Supposedly eighteen. Okay, so that's so you add so Nova is what twelve, so she'll be thirty now. Obviously, there, <laughs> there is going to be some you know some looking at Lucasfilm listener who is a better at math or he or has oh, yeah. better info than than we do. They're they're screaming at the podcast right now. There we go. So if if you could reach out and, and, and inform these 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 two sixty year old idiots, I I would appreciate that. Speaking of which, though, folks, you know if if you if you're screaming at the podcast at this point because it's so damn long, out of respect for other people's time, I think we we should shut this one down. So tell you what, folks, uh, till Brian and I do a new one of these which will be two weeks from today brian can you tell folks where they can find you on social media yeah um you can find me on um i'm still on the twitters okay uh, at geek with children and children is spelled c-h-i-l-d-r-n and where can we find you Jim. Uh, well, let's see. You can find me <laughs> still on Twitter as well. Likewise, you can find us on Instagram also as Jim Hill Media and then on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Uh, and Brian and I look forward to, to seeing all of you folks there. Uh, also want to remind you, we have a couple of other shows we have here at Jim Hill Media. Uh, we, of course, have Disney Dish, which I do with Len Testa. Uh, we alluded to earlier Fine Tuning, which I do with Drew Taylor, who, by the way, has his own wonderful podcast, Light the Fuse. Also want to mention uh, Marvel Us Disney, which I do with Aaron Adams. Aaron has a brand new, also has just launched a brand new podcast of his own, uh, 32nd Street, I want to. Yeah, uh, it's called 32nd Street. Which uh, looks into the world of advertising, which, uh, by the way, we touched on a little bit earlier today ourselves. Thank you, folks, for indulging Brian and I. Hopefully uh, this was worth the wait. And like I said, we'll be back with a brand new looking at Lucasfilm in two weeks' time. Thanks again so much for listening, folks. And Mr. Gone and I will be back soon.